All right, thank you. Turn your Bibles this morning while the choir's coming down to um, the book of Judges. You better get over there and... Hey, so can I tell it? She's not going to be doing that much longer because she's going to have competition. <laughs> Leanne is going to have a baby. Hey, we just we, we grow them from the bottom up around here. We'll grow the church any way we can. So, well, uh, my wife is gone. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe it's good for me because I got to eat junk food all weekend. Um, but I can't wait for her to get back. Not that I miss her, but I'm tired of carrying her dogs out at 5 o'clock every morning. It's time for her to come home and take care of those things. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna, there's, there's kind of a series that I'm going to do over the next few weeks on Samson. Uh, this morning we'll talk about his his beginning, his his very good beginning, his the blessings that God gave him, the the things that God did for him to put him in a position where he could use him. But I want you to think about this one because this one's going to have to sink in. But the three messages are going to be called Samson, led by the Spirit, controlled by the flesh. Uh, it, it's, um, it's a biblical doctrine. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about us um, uh, being led by the Spirit. Uh, we, we, have, we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we also have the old residue of the old man that's constantly warring and fighting. And so um, that's what we're going to be talking about. Samson is number 12 of the judges. And it kind of seems like from the time we've been studying the judges to this one, he's kind of been the one that wound up being the worst. We probably know more about him than, than most of them. Um, I suspect if I were to ask you, what do you know about Samson? And Curtis came this morning and said he talked to the girls about Samson, and one of them said he's strong, and the other one said he had long hair. And the truth of the matter is, is he did. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that, but I couldn't help but think about Samson and what we're going to look at this morning. And I think it would be good for you parents and, and those of you who are becoming parents and will become parents. But, but I just want to start by just, just reminiscing for a minute. Uh, I, I went over yesterday and um, went to Paul Moses' mother's funeral. And by the way, I think what I want is I want a Bible app that has him and Samuel reading the Bible in character. I, I love it when people read the Bible and they're excited about reading it. Paul just puts his whole self into it. He did such a great job. But one of the things that he said was, one of my first remembrances, one of the very first things I remember and, and I, I drove all the way home and I thought about that because I had called my mother on the phone. And my mother and dad would have been married 69 years Thursday this week. And so mom said to me, she said, um, it's my anniversary. Your daddy's not here to carry me out. And I think you're probably the next best thing. So I want you to come carry me out. She said, I don't care when, just when you've got some time. And so I called her. 
and my mom and I had a date last night. And I got to thinking about her and my dad. I got to think about this message right here. Some of you have seen pictures of them on Facebook together. Y'all know why us kids are so good looking now. Um, because, because my mom and dad were so pretty. But um, my dad wasn't anything special uh, as, far as, as far as human beings are concerned, as far as people would... would uh, and, 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 what he did and, and his education, all that kind of thing. But he was an extraordinary man. Uh, and my mom is an extraordinary woman. Uh, a lot of the things that I am, I couldn't help but think, I was trying to reminisce this morning. Uh, I, I don't remember, I remember the first time that we ever went to church and were very active in church. We, I was born in Alabama, by the way. Um, I've had braces and all those sorts of things. So we got all that straightened out, okay? Mom and I talked about it last night, and, um, and just the life that we lived. And, you know, my very first remembrance is we had a little pool out in front of a little white house, and uh, my brother tried to drown me. And all I remember from that was I just threw up cheese. Now, I don't know what all that's supposed to mean, but uh, my brother tried to kill me when I was still in diapers. That's the last thing I remember. I must have blacked out for the next five or six years. But we moved to Rome. My daddy worked at Georgia Craft. We moved to Rome, and um, we began going to Pisgah. And I remember, uh, as a as a child, um, going all the time. Uh, and then we moved over to Cherokee Acres. Mother and Daddy bought a new house, and and it was boy, it was a grand thing. Eighteen thousand dollars, Bradley, for a brand new house. And it kind of fit us all in until we got. Uh, uh, a little bit older, and then everybody kind of had their own space. But we started Short Avenue, and we were there. And you see pictures on Facebook sometime of VBS, and all of us are in there. And, and we just had a great advantage of uh, of growing. I, I laughed this morning because I thought, um, I kind of thought back because we, we learned to uh, sing out of the Red Back Hymnal. Now, I know the Red Back Hymnal, for some of you, is uh, a godless book. Because uh, we just think that that's just the worst thing that's ever lived. It, it is possible to worship uh, a hymnal. Y'all know that, don't you? Uh, but the fact of the matter is, here it is. You, you young guys need to listen to this very carefully. With a Hammond organ and the right kind of piano player, I'm talking about somebody can knock the white off the keys. The, the Redback Hymnal was a combination of the harmony of the Almond Brothers I'm serious, and the rhythm of Leonard Skinner. Uh, so it ain't all that bad. And y'all are going, hey, get that, get that thing out. Let's sing some of that. But, but we learned to appreciate church music. We learned to appreciate a, a lot of things because of the way that we were raised. We, had, we, we were blessed. We were blessed because we had a mom and dad that loved Jesus. And they were going to make sure that we had every advantage. Now, look, they weren't going to make sure that we loved Jesus because they can't do that for us. But they were going to make sure that we had every advantage to learn about him and fall in love with him ourselves. Now, here's the, here's the deal, y'all. Just because you were raised by Christian parents, just because you parents out there with children are giving them every advantage you can possibly give them to know Jesus, that doesn't guarantee that they're going to come to know Jesus and everything's going to turn out okay. 
But I promise you this right here. You can just about be guaranteed that if you don't bring them up that way, then the, the, the percentages are very low that they will ever love Jesus. And so it, it was kind of cool to listen to Paul talk about his mother's background and, and his grandfather and, and, and the mother would carry them to church and how, how he grew to love Jesus because of, because of her influence. And then Samuel got up there, and, and, and he spoke, and I thought, man, that, that's his dad made all over again, you know. Sounded like him. Uh, and, and thinking about the influence, I began to think about the influence my parents have had on me. And I've just, my mom's here this morning, and I just want to thank her again. Uh, we, are, we are everything that we are uh, because of our parents. Uh, you, you parents have a uh, tremendous responsibility when it comes to that gift of a child that God's given you. Uh, but it doesn't guarantee that everything's going to turn out okay. It does help the percentages that it will. But along the way, each one of us individually have to make our own decisions. Now, I, I don't want to, this, this may have to be a two-parter. I, I mean, I understand that. But I really want to look at this because there's some things I want to share with you. I'm, I'm going to jump, jump around. But I want to show you something. The life of Samuel begins because the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Here it is again. Now, you remember what's happened before. Now, here, here's a lesson. Here's a very practical lesson for you. When, when Israel would go astray and God would give them over, and, and there is the word that's used there, he sold them at times, which carried the idea that he allowed them to go into slavery. Uh, now, he hands them over to the Philistines, and, and all of us know about the Philistines, you know, and, and, and they, were, they were a very wicked group of people, and they were under the, 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 the crushing uh, hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Every time we've studied a judge, the very next verse would say, and they cried out to the Lord. But you don't have that here. It's very interesting as you begin to look through that they are under the, the, the iron fist of the Philistines. And they are there for 40 years. And yet there's no mention here whatsoever that they ever cried out to the Lord for the Lord to rescue them. But here's the deal, folks. Although they were not faithful... In calling out to God to rescue him, God was faithful. God rescued him anyway. And so that, that's the whole point of this whole thing. This is not about the faithfulness of Samson. This is about the faithfulness of God. Because if you know anything about Samson, if you read through, Samson failed every way along the way. You say, well, how did he do that? I will show you something. You, you moms who are, there's some very practical stuff here. By the way, I just want to tell you, this is another one of those instances where it's God that gives life, and it's not man's place to take life away. Okay, now here, here is a woman who is barren. Now, look, all the way through Scripture, there are four or five women throughout the Bible who were barren, and God came to them and brought them a message, you're going to have a child. And just about every one of those children were, were pretty special. Uh, John the Baptist. Um... um Jacob and Esau, uh, all, of those, uh, all of those women who were barren, and all of a sudden, God comes to them 
at just the right time, and he, he, he brings a child into that home. But look at what he says here. There, there was a man from Zorah, from the tribe of Dan. His name was Manoah. His wife was infertile and had borne no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, you're infertile and have borne no children, yet you will conceive and bear a son. There it is. Uh, by the way, she's not pregnant yet, okay? She's not pregnant yet. And the reason for a lot of this has to do with what's just about to happen, okay? Now, now, now look, this is very practical advice. Now, be careful that you drink no wine or strong drink and that you do not eat anything ritually unclean. Anything that you take into your body is going to affect that that's about to be in your womb. You go to some of these hospitals around here and you see the, 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 the babies that are born addicted to drugs because the mother didn't have enough sense to stop it or, or, or couldn't, whatever that addiction might be. So some very practical advice there that if this is going to be a healthy child, there are some things that you've got to do. There's some things that you've got to do to take care of yourself so, so that that baby uh, will be born healthy. Okay? I just threw that one in. That was kind of free. Um, now look at this. For you will conceive and bear a son. No razor may touch his head, for the boy will be a Nazarite. A Nazarite. Now let's talk about the Nazarite for a minute. Not a Nazarene. Okay, don't get that confused with Jesus being a Nazarene from Nazareth. This is a Nazarite. A Nazarite is someone, man or woman, Numbers chapter 6. Man or woman, the word Nazarite means to set apart. It means to, for, for a period of time, you set yourself apart for a specific purpose. Okay? It, it, we, may, we may now relate that to even fasting. Somebody may... Uh, decide to do a fast for spiritual reasons, and so they set themselves apart for a certain period of time, and they abstain from food for that certain period of time because there is a spiritual connotation to that. In this instant, this boy is to be a Nazarite before he is ever born, which means he is to be a Nazarite for life. Now, what do we know about Nazarites? Well, they didn't cut their hair. Uh, they, they didn't touch anything dead because that would defile. Um, they, they didn't drink any strong drink ever. They, um, they, they separated, they, they were, they were separated. God was separating Samson to rescue the children of Israel. Okay. So, so he's going to be a Nazarite, but, but, but I think this is kind of interesting. One of the reasons I think the Lord says to his mother is don't do that is because that would have affected him in some way. And so, you know what? No, he, he. From the time of conception, he's going to be a Nazarite till the time that he dies. So, you know what? Don't put anything in your system that would create him to be defiled and to be disqualified as a Nazarite, okay? This is how special this man is. This is how special this man that God is setting aside to, to help um, uh, bring Israel out of this captivity, then the woman went to her husband and said, a man of God came to me. He looked very much like, and I, I like this word here, a, a very fearsome angel of God. Now, we know who he is. We know who he is because we've seen him before in the Judges. He is the, he is the 
Christ who is coming before his birth. He's Jesus. Okay, by the way, I'm, if we just get right into it, this is Jesus that's there. Now, I'll show you why I believe that in just a minute because I think the Bible is very clear as to who this is. Okay? Now, now look at this for a moment because the, 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 these, these Philistines uh, have, have um, put these people under bondage. God is sending Samson. By the way, if you just want to write out in the margin of your Bible, uh, Samson means little sunshine. Little sunshine. His name, can you imagine his mama calling him Sonny? Here's Sonny. Sonny's born. Sonny is very special. Sonny is someone that, that, that is going to be special. Sonny grows up to be a very popular man. He's what we might call the life of the party. He has tremendous potential. He has a marvelous beginning. And yet his life ended in tragedy. 1 Corinthians puts it this way. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't think you can do anything without the Lord's help. Because you're headed for a cliff. And so uh, Samson was a man who along the way because of his, his qualities that the Holy Spirit had given him. Uh, always took advantage of those and never, ever under any circumstance ever lived up to his Nazarite vow. There are times, I mean, you, give you a great example. He killed a lion one time. He was extremely hungry when he came back by. These bees had built a honeycomb inside of the lion. He's extremely hungry, and so he wants that honey, so he goes and gets it and he eats it. We said, well, what's so bad about that? It was a dead animal. It defiled him. But he didn't care. He was more concerned about his appetite than he was about his, his calling. Okay? He didn't take his calling serious. I think some of our pastors and some of our preachers in the pulpits today, I've had to, I've had to reevaluate myself. How serious am I taking my calling? I did this with David the other night when we did his ordination. Preach the word. I sent an email out to a lady this week that, that were members of our church, and she um, sent me an email. They can't, they can't find a church that they're really happy with, and so I just kind of gave her some, some suggestions along the way. But here's one of the things that I said. Find a pastor who teaches the Bible, not just talks about the Bible. A whole lot of people out there talking about the Bible, but not very many who are opening the Bible and says, Thus saith the Lord. I thought about Ezekiel this morning as I was on my way to church. One of my favorite phrases in the book of Ezekiel is this, And the word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel, saying, And he tells him what to do, and Ezekiel goes and does it. What we are to do is to preach the word. We are to just do what God tells us to do. And so here's a man who had great potential. He was born into a godly family. In a very wicked culture, and by the way, it's just a reminder to us that we can talk about the culture all we want to. The fact of the matter is, it is possible to live the Christian life in a wicked culture. Because the Bible says God has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. So, so that, that's not an excuse. But, but he is born into this family. He, is, um, he comes to this woman and to this man who don't have any children. And so the Lord comes and he speaks to the woman. It's interesting to me that her name is never mentioned. 
Because the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what her name is. It's about God here, okay? It's about what God is doing, what God's going to do. Um, I, I suspect that uh, most of us would make a, a big deal out of her or probably make her a saint if, if we knew what her name was. God knows our hearts. God knows what we are prone to do, the wickedness and the waywardness that's in us. And God don't give us all the information, but he gives us the information that we need. I'm kind of like the guy that says, I'm not so worried about what I don't know about the Bible. I'm worried about what I do know about it and don't do. Don't worry so much about what you don't know. Just pay attention to what you do know and make sure you're obedient to that. So, so he, he, he lives this life. He has a godly mother. Look at verse 8. He has a praying father. You remember that the angel of the Lord now has come to his mother and she goes and tells her husband everything that the angel has said. And um, the man says, well, I, you know, go back. Go back and see if you can find him again. I would love to be able to talk to him myself. And in verse 8, it, it, it basically says, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord. Okay? Oh, Lord, let the man of God whom you sent come to us so that he may teach us. Here it is, dads. What, what do we need to pray for our children? We pray to the Lord so that he can teach us what we should do for our children who will be born. Um, Brack and Leanne, y'all need to be praying for that baby now. What, how do I raise this kid? You know what? There's not any books, are there, on how to raise children. All three of our children were raised differently. We, we began to be a little bit less uh, protective by the third one than we were the first one. We wanted perfection out of the first one. We just wanted the third one to live through the day. You know, you all know what I mean? So, so Manoah is praying. Manoah is a praying man. Now look in verse 9 because his prayers are answered. In, in verse 9, And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again, who? To the woman. And he tells her exactly the same thing. You see, here's the, here's the fact, ladies and gentlemen. When, when you get a word from the Lord, he's not going to change it. You might as well just do what he's telling you to do because, you know what, if you ask him again, now repeat that one more time, he's going to tell you the same thing he just told you. And by the way, he's not going to tell you the next thing until you're willing to do the first thing. Why would God do something for you that you didn't want to do because you want to do something else. If you're not willing to do what it is he wants you to do, then you can forget about all the rest of it down the road. It, it kind of comes in increments, you know. Obedience, 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 obedience. obedience. Uh, and, and there's a growth process in that. But, but he, he, he's, he th this is, y'all, this is good. I want to show you something here. So he tells the woman the same thing. Manoah says to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and let us prepare a young goat for you. Okay? They still don't know who he is yet. They know he's somebody special. The angel of the Lord says to him, Your wife must observe everything I've said to her. She must not consume anything that grows on the vine, not drink wine or strong drink. She must not eat anything ritually unclean. She must observe everything I've commanded her. Well, while you're here, why don't you just stay and have a meal with us? The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if I stay, I won't eat your food. But if you want to make an offering to the Lord, you should offer it. Here's what has happened. 
because of the message of the angel of the Lord and because of the appearance of the angel of the Lord and because of the answered prayer by the angel of the Lord, here's what the angel of the Lord says to them. Now you need to worship. Now you need to worship. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you here, I think, the, the elements in, in, in the way that they worship here. It's, it's good stuff. So he says, listen, if you want to, if you want to uh, make an offering to the Lord, you should offer it. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Okay? Got, got a clue there. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? What is your name? This is part of it. So that we can honor you when your words come true. And look at what he says. The angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? It is too secret. Now circle that if you would and write out beside it because the word secret there means the word wonderful. And you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Isaiah put it this way. His name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful is a word that means wonderful. Wonderful is a word that cannot be encompassed with volumes of books. Here's a good thought. You can only know the Lord personally. You cannot know him totally. Okay, there, there's, there is so much to know about God. Paul, you just struck a chord with me yesterday when he was talking at his mother's funeral. Here's what he said. She's in heaven today. As good as that is, but tomorrow's going to be a better day. And then the next day is going to be a better day. And then it's going to be a, a better day. Because there are so many attributes of God. There's so much to God that it's going to take us eternity just to get to learn who he is. So here's what he says to him. Look, why do you want to know my name? It is too wonderful. Not only is his name wonderful, verse 19, Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered them to the Lord upon the rock. Then he did a wondrous thing. There it is again. A wonderful thing while Manoah and his wife watched. God not only has a wonderful name, God does wonderful things. God ever done anything wonderful in your life? Well, I'm going to tell you what, if you've been saved, (laughs) he has. God's given you a Christian family to grow up in, then he's done a wonderful thing. God's given you his Holy Spirit so that you can raise your children to know him. He's given you a wonderful thing. God's given you a church where you can worship with, with freedom, without threat of being thrown into jail or having your head cut off or whatever it is, you know, the, the, the wicked people want to do. The fact of the matter is that, that's wonderful. God does wonderful things. And, and in those wonderful things, there must be a, a time of thanksgiving for us. The, the point here is, is that Samuel had all the advantages of being successful. He had this childhood, the, the child group. But I, I want to show you something. I, I've got to get to this. I, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place, I know. But, but look at this with me just for a minute because this is, this is good. Now, they build an altar 
they take a young goat and a grain offering. They offer them to the Lord upon a rock. Have we seen this before? You remember? You remember back when there was another offering and the angel of the Lord just consumed it right there on the rock? It's going to happen again. Then he did a wonderful thing while Manoah and his wife watched. When the flame went up from the altar toward the heavens, the angel of the Lord went up in the flames from the altar. Now watch this. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell face down to the ground. Now watch this. They know who this is now. The angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that it was the angel of the Lord. Here's what Manoah said to his wife. We're going to die. We've seen God. We're going to die. This, this one whose name is wonderful, who does wonderful things, they have come into his presence now, and all of a sudden, this awesome feeling comes across them, and they say, we've seen God face to face. We're going to die. And his wife kind of calms him down. She says, oh, no, we're not going to die. Why are they not going to die? I want to show you something. Now, now, just follow along with me. Because they are they're beginning to worship the Lord. Okay? Now, if you would, I want you to just make a notation here. Deuteronomy 16, 16. Okay? If you just do that. Deuteronomy 16, 16. You can look at it later. I'll just kind of give you an idea. Uh, of what it says. Basically, it's this. Nobody should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Nobody should appear before the Lord empty-handed. So let me ask you a question. What did you bring this morning? What did you bring? Now, now there's all kinds of offerings to give. The Bible talks about the praise of our lips. We can give in a life of service, a life of volunteerism. We can give of our monetary blessings that God's given us. But the fact of the matter is, you should never come into God's house empty-handed. What are you going to bring? What, what are you going to bring? I'm going to tell you what the best thing you can bring is, is a willing heart. A heart that's willing to be obedient and do what God commands you or leads you to do as His Word is preached. I'm telling you, every one of you are sitting here, and there are things that God's saying to you. You're going back in your mind with some things. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you in your heart. There are some areas in your life where you need to be obedient, where you haven't been before. And you know what? God, if you're doing that, and if you brought a heart that's willing, and you've offered that to the Lord, then the Lord's going to take that and use that, and the Lord's going to work something miracle in your life, something wonderful in your life. They... They bring an offering, okay? So first of all, in their worship service, they bring an offering. They don't come empty-handed. They bring something to the Lord, and they offer it to the Lord. Now, here's the second one. They seek God's name. They seek God's name. I think we ought to all sit here on Sunday morning and go, who is he really? Who, who is he really? God, reveal yourself to me this morning. Well, we know we sang about this morning. We know he's a chain breaker. We know he is a savior. We know that he brings forgiveness. I know that everybody sitting here this morning, if you have sin in your life, if you'll cry out in confession to the Lord, that sin will be forgiven. But you know what? God's not going to force that on you. I'm not going to force that on you. 
We have a responsibility to be open to what, what God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And I think if there's anything we leave here. By, by the way, the word there, wonderful, just means beyond understanding. Beyond understanding. We can know him, but we just can't know him totally. There's too much of him. I'm so afraid, y'all, sometimes that we just get so caught up in thinking that God's some big sugar daddy in the sky who's up there who has a magic wand who all we have to do is ask him and he can just work miracles in our life by waving that wand and we approach him so flippantly. But I'm going to tell you what, if, if we know him and if we are one of his children, the Bible does say we can approach him with boldness. When you approach him, do you approach him with boldness? Do you approach him with this attitude of, I know that if I ask anything according to his will, he will hear me. They wanted to know who he was. The Christian life, ladies and gentlemen, if it's nothing else, is a life that spends the rest of its life trying to get to know this wonderful person better and better and better. To the extent that you fall totally in love with him, that he is your all, he is your everything. We don't get there overnight. I get that. I understand that. We don't get there overnight. But, but, but that's part of what we're doing is in this, in this service this morning is we are seeking him. When you come to the worship service, what do you come for? You bring something. What do you want in return? What we want in return is him. And if you leave here this morning and your attitude is, well, all I got was Jesus, I'm going to tell you what, you got enough. You got all you need. So they, so they seek his name. They, they bring an offering. They, they seek his name. Now look at this. And in the midst of that, there becomes this idea that we must live a holy life, and that holy life is our need for a sacrifice. Okay? Then Manoah took a young goat, together with a grain offering, sacrificed it on the rock to the Lord. The Lord did an amazing thing. He, he finds himself in this flame. He goes up from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascends in the flame. Manoah and his wife with their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord did not show himself. Again, to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. He said, we're going to die. Well, why didn't they die? You ever thought about that one? Why didn't they die? They saw God. You cannot approach God on the basis of anything else but a sacrifice. God accepted the sacrifice. You see what his wife says to him? I've got my notes everywhere. I've had a ball this week. Lee hadn't been there, and I hadn't had to clean house and none of that stuff. So, if, Look at verse 23. His wife said to him, if the Lord wanted to kill us, he would not have taken the burnt offering. That, that's, that's some pretty good stuff, y'all. 
He would not have shown us these things, nor let us hear things such as these at this time. God accepted the sacrifice. How can we approach God? How can we worship God? How can we know that God hears us? How can we know that He cares for us? How can He know that, that he, he, he loves us and is in tune with us and wants for the best? On the basis of sacrifice. And it was a sacrifice of his own son, Jesus Christ. The basis of my salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The bearing of my sin by another so that I can have eternal life. His, his life for mine. And on the cross one day, Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world on his shoulders. I couldn't help but think, I got an email from a guy one time because I made that statement. And the statement he made back to me is, God doesn't forgive our future sins because we haven't committed them yet. Folks, his God ain't big enough. That's the fact of the matter, his God's not big enough. My God's big enough to forgive my sin, past, present, and future. Salvation is a process of yesterday, today, and forever. So they worshipped. They just, they just had a good old time there. They were, they were scared. By the way, when you come into the presence of God, you ought to be a little bit terrified. Wonderful, the one who is wonderful is also awesome. There's an awesomeness about the presence of God. I'm telling you, it's not like anything else in this whole world. Because of the work of Jesus. Do, do you see here, why, did he, why was he in the flame? Why did he go up in the flame with it? Because you know what, he became part of the sacrifice for us. He was our sacrifice. In a way... Literally, one thing that God did almost 2,000 years ago was he laid his own son on a rock and sacrificed him. Same thing that we see of Abraham and Isaac. And yet, I think the greatest, the greatest statement in all the Bible is that Abraham said to Isaac, when he was taking him up, and Isaac said to him, we have the fire, we have the wood, where's the lamb? And here's the basis of our salvation. The Lord will provide for himself a lamb. A lamb without spot, a lamb without blemish, perfect in every way. Sacrifice for you and me so that we could experience salvation. And know this one who is wonderful kind of interesting as we as we start this I want to show you something and I, I'm going to back up just for a moment because look in, look in the first part of chapter 13 with me verse 5 for you will conceive and bear a son no razor may touch his head for the boy will be a Nazarite to God from the womb he will begin he will begin to save Israel it doesn't say he will save Israel he started out strong he started out with all the advantages in the world, but his life ended in a tragedy. Blind, with no strength, 
yet one last time at the end of his life when he's been such a failure, he kills more Philistines than he did the whole other time in his whole life. But it was God that did that. So let me ask you a question. Are, are, you, are you faltering in your race? Are you so afraid that you're slowing down and your finish is going to be a crawl and, and not a sprint? Have you, when you gave your life to Jesus, you gave your life to Jesus. He, he, he gives you the eternal life. He gives you his Holy Spirit. He gives you everything you need for life and godliness. But sometimes we've kind of taken that for granted and we've kind of said, we've kind of blown that off. The fact of the matter is, there's a whole lot of things that people in here can do better than me. But ain't nobody in here can love Jesus more than me if that's my heart. What, what is it? See, here's the thing. I, I sent a guy a text message one time. Here's what it said. God saved you for a purpose. What is your purpose? Because he had lost his way. Now, now here's, here's what I'm going to do this morning. Listen, I, we've said before, all right, we, we've, we've sang praises in song. We have given of our material blessings. We have been fed the Word of God. And we know that um, the Word of God challenges us and convicts us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can offer him now prayers or praise. One thing you can do if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus is your Savior, you can give him your heart this morning. I'll never forget, and y'all have heard this, me say this so many times. Y'all just shouldn't believe the things that go through my head. when I, Brad, is that, does that ever happen to you? I mean, it just goes crazy. You know, you, all this stuff comes up you never even thought about before. My little grandson, who's about to get married, about this tall, and I, I'll never forget, he was sitting in the back seat one day, and maybe been sitting in the front seat, I don't think we had car seats at the time, he was probably sitting on that little thing in the middle right beside me, you know, just put your arm out there when you slam the brakes on, and he started this, and I'm sure it's not exactly the words, because I think it's a song or a poem or something, but, but in a little voice, here's what he said, here's what he said. What shall I give him as poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give him a lamb. If I were a king, I would do my part. What shall I give him? I will give him my heart. And I thought, yes, he gets it. He gets it. It's in him. He gets it. Now, let me ask you a question. He was probably a five-year-old. Some of you may be in your 20s, 30s, 40s. I hope this morning that if you have never gotten it before, you get it now. The most wonderful thing that can happen to you in your life is for you to come to know Jesus and start following him and give your life to him and live this life that he's laid out before you to bring purpose and meaning into your life, not only for yourself and for your family, but for everybody else that's around you. So if you're here this morning, you've never been saved, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. I just, I, I would be, I, I've said this before, I will never, I'll never take God's word 
and preach it and not give people an opportunity to respond. I just think it's wrong to do that. I think it's wrong for you to sit there and the Holy Spirit be moving you and you not move. So, you know what? When those two can come together, then, then, then he who is wonderful will show up in your life. If you're here and you've been visiting for a while and you want to join our church, you can do that today. If you've never been baptized, maybe we got water. We'll do it before we leave if that's what you want to do. It's just a, it's a testimony. It's not that won't save you. Just a testimony. But I think there's a whole lot of us who have looked at this and gone, boy, I'm a lot like Samson. Led by the Spirit, controlled by the flesh. And I think what I need to do is just get my priorities back in order. Listen, God's a God of second and third and tenth chances. I don't care if you come to the altar every week. If that's what you need to do to make things right with God, then that's what you need to do. I've had people say before, I'm just afraid people will say something if I just come every week because I just feel like I need to come every week. Listen, come every week. So we're going to stand. Tom's going to play and Kirk's going to sing and we're going to sing along with him. Gives us an opportunity to sing again. But listen, don't, don't let that distract you from doing what it is that you're supposed to do so that he who is wonderful can be unleashed in your life to make you the person that he saved you to be. Father, thank you this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit would do his work. May you speak to us in a very powerful way, and may we be obedient to what you're calling us to do. In Christ's name.